Hey, what's going on there, podcast community? This is Matthew Johnson. I am the host of Dementia in Black and White. Thank you for tuning in this week as we discuss some of the more business entities or the business issues related to caring for someone with Alzheimer's. And that is becoming a representative payee in the eyes of the Social Security Administration. That's what we're going to talk about today, my journey through that part of the journey in caring for someone with dementia. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of Dementia in Black and White. All right, let us just get into it. Let's get it started in here. Becoming a representative payee for someone who you are caring for. Before I get into the specifics around what is necessary to do that, let me just tell a little story about how it came to be, how I got to this point. Of course, you may know from listening to a prior episode that I lived in the same city and state as my mother, but in different homes. I moved her to a different state to be closer to my brother to help, you know, with the caregiving uh, duties for her. And in doing so, I just had a regular change of address with the post office, but I didn't, you know, call the Social Security Administration and change the address. So when the tax form that you need to fill out your taxes came in, it had a forwarding stamp on it. It was being forwarded from the prior address. And when I saw that, I thought it might be wise to go ahead and call the Social Security Administration to make sure that they have my mother's new address. As I figured, you know, like with the bank and some other government institutions, the fact that the post office is a government institution and they would alert you that the address has changed. I just assumed that, well, the Social Security Administration would get that notice from the post office and then change the address in the system. But no, you can't do that or they don't do that just automatically. So I called and asked them to change the address and they said, well, you can't change it. You're not your mother. And so I was like, yeah, that's pretty smart. You're right. I am not my mother. So I went to get my mother. I said, she's right here. She's right upstairs. Let's get her on the phone. And of course, in order to make any changes and in order to verify who you are, especially on a phone call, they have to ask you a series of questions. And these are questions that, you know, the person would, of course, likely know that other people might not know. So, of course, your Social Security number, your name, your date of birth. And I was there with her. So I was able to, you know, I had the Social Security number written down on a piece of paper already and birthday and all that. So I was able to essentially coach mom through the answers to the question so that I could get this address changed on the form because she's not as good at recalling all of these things right now. However, they then asked what was her mother's maiden name. And I didn't know. And she could not recall it. And so with that, that process was shut down. And they said the only way that this can be changed is if you become a representative payee for your mother. So what is that? The Social Security Administration's website, SSA.gov, defines a representative payee as 
the Social Security's Representative Payment Program provides a payment management for our beneficiaries who are incapable of managing their Social Security payments. So an individual who helps manage Social Security payments for your loved one, essentially. And so in order to get the process started, I had to schedule an appointment because that wasn't, you know, just the call in. You have to have medical documentation submitted. So they provided a fax number for that. And then we scheduled an appointment for six weeks down the line. This was back in February. We scheduled the appointment for, I believe, early April is when the appointment was scheduled. And so prior to that, I had to get the medical records to show that my mother was diagnosed and needed help with managing her finances. And so you have to, just so you know, when you send in that fax, in this case, I don't know if you can mail it in, you probably can, but the fax, you have to include the person's social security number on it so that they can easily attach it to a file or what have you. And I know that sounds probably not very secure to a lot of people. However, my understanding is because of the fax system being as archaic as it is, that it actually is very difficult to hack. And so faxing something is probably more secure than emailing something. So don't let that bother you. And you do need to have the social security number on the medical documentation so that they can find it when you have this phone call. So I did send that in. We had the phone call and this was them essentially interviewing me um, to become the representative payee. And just to let you know, uh, of course, I already have a power of attorney for finance. But when I mentioned that in the first phone call to the Social Security Administration, I said, hey, I have a power of attorney. They said, hey, that doesn't matter. That has no power here. So they don't recognize that. So that won't be enough. You'll have to get this done, this representative payee. And so in that interview, of course, they got a lot of information from me, my social security number, where I work and live and all of that. And the fact that I live with her, I think helped. I don't know if that's required or not. Don't think it is, but it may have have helped that we had the same address. They also ask, have you ever been convicted of a felony? So if you are a felon, that might stand in the way. And they do run a criminal background check. Have you ever been in prison for more than a year? So I guess it's not even just felonies. But if you've had some run in with the law in this respect, that you've ever been imprisoned for more than a year, that could affect your ability to become a representative payee. And then it asks if you've ever been do you have an outstanding uh, outstanding felony warrant? And so I just want to comment for a second about that, because, as you know, in the United States, the rates of imprisonment for African-American men is disproportionately higher and tied to racism as to why those rates are so high. And in this episode, I don't want to get into the specifics of that, but doing any Google search around why there are more black men incarcerated per capita than other groups. You can find a lot of information 
out there around the prison industrial complex. But you can then see a direct link to how that can present a problem as you're trying to even be a loved one for someone with dementia in terms of becoming this representative payee. If you've had that in your life, that that could affect you and you would think how, why, you know, uh, can imagine, I guess, if the crime that you've committed has something to do with embezzling money, perhaps that would harm your ability to be a representative payee. But just the fact that they ask you that and that wasn't an issue for me, but I just stopped to mention it here because it could be an issue and particularly an issue in the black community. So I wanted to just call attention to that. But in either case, so you answer those questions, they do a background check and confirm that everything checks out, check the medical information. And that is really what's required. And I would say from there, there may have been another just two or three weeks before I got a letter that I was accepted as the representative payee for my mother and they sent a letter and it had a little more details about what is expected. And it says here that you must use all the payments made to me, to me as the representative payee for the claimants current needs or save them for future needs. You may be held liable for repayment if it is determined that there has been misuse of the payment or there was any overpayment of benefits. That's interesting. And it says you may be punished under federal law by fine imprisonment or both. If you're found guilty of misuse of the social security administration's benefits. So of course it's real threats, I guess, for doing the right thing, which is not going to be an issue for me. Of course, I am going to uh, be a good steward of my mother's resources because, of course, I love her. She's my mother. I'm not going to do anything to harm her. Um, but, of course, they don't know who's who. And there could be organizations as well that become a representative payee. I'm a loved one, but you could have some state or city nonprofit, some organization or something that is uh, filing to be this representative payee as well, where someone doesn't have a loved one there to step in. And it also says that there's going to be a report, an annual representative payee report that's required to be sent in unless it's a spouse. If it's a spouse of the beneficiary, you don't have to submit that report. But for me, as a uh, I guess child of the beneficiary, I'll have to submit an annual report showing how I spent the money. Be curious to see how detailed that has to be. Not sure. Haven't gotten to that part of the process yet, but I just wanted to put that out to let you know that that is something that you may have to do. Key points here to remember. This is for any changes. Of course, if you want to change where the money is being paid to, you can't do that without doing this. And the chances are, depending on where your loved one is and their stage of the disease, they may not be able to do that themselves. However, again, can't stress this enough sooner rather than later for these things. I'm almost in a reactionary 
position here, having gotten the change of address notice on the statement. But proactive is the way to be in the future is what I would recommend. So if you know that this is coming down the pike for you, if you know that there's a diagnosis or we're early on or we're in the mild and early first stage of Alzheimer's or dementia, that is the time to look into becoming a representative payee or getting that part of the financial house in order because it's easier to take care of things sooner rather than later. All right, folks. Well, that was my experience with becoming a representative payee for the Social Security Administration. Overall, I have to say, wasn't that difficult? I've heard more uh, horror stories. Uh, It takes much longer than that, but I would say just the six, eight weeks from beginning to the end of that process. And I hope this has been helpful to you. Just kind of talking about my journey on this road of being a caregiver for someone with Alzheimer's dementia. See you next week for another episode of Dementia in Black and White. Until next time, take care of your loved one. Yes, absolutely, that's important. But also, and more importantly, take care of yourself. I'm out. <laughs>